0: everyone, and welcome to episode one of Descent Into Madness. My name is Rigby, and I have a few yarns to spin you. I always used to read these short horror stories and otherworldly rituals when I was in middle school. I read them so much that it caused me sleep problems. But now that I'm braver, I can share these dastardly tales with you. Let's get started. Story number one, Betsy the Doll. Like most people, I had a sad childhood. Who doesn't these days? My father left before I was born, and my mother was on drugs from the day she brought me home. She slipped right back into her party lifestyle and turned our apartment into an opium den. I walked around in a drug fueled haze for the first five years of my life. The smoky air flooded down the hallway and under my door and seemed to linger for days. My mother wasn't a bad person, just a victim of her addictions. When she did have spare money, she would put food in the house and even sometimes buy me clothes from Goodwill. The only pieces of furniture I had in my bedroom were a box spring and mattress set and a little blue and white toy chest. Not that I had a lot of toys to put in it, just the three I had gotten for birthdays. One was an art kit, one was a red wagon, and my last, my pride and joy, was a doll named Betsy. Betsy was my best friend. We would have imaginary tea parties together, sleep together, take baths together, and sometimes I remember her speaking to me. Thinking about Betsy in adulthood has led me to believe that I was a severely traumatized child who was often high on opium and, therefore, my memories were extremely unreliable. Still, I remember the sound of her voice, a high-pitched, tinkled lilt, and I remember the things she wanted me to do. Steal food for her, bring her forks, bring her knives, hit the bad man who slept on her couch. Always bad things that would get me in trouble. I would blame it on Betsy, but my mother would never believe me. Adults never do. Around my sixth birthday, I asked my mother for a birthday party. I wanted to invite the not-nice girls from school, serve them cake, and make them like me. I still remember standing in the kitchen with such high hopes, a glass bottle of soda shaking in my hand as I held my breath and awaited my mother's answer. She turned to me and laughed. A birthday party? Laura, that's ridiculous. I can't afford to feed 15 other children that aren't even mine. I can barely afford to feed you. You eat like an elephant, or should I say little Betsy does. I barely get anything to eat around here. My face fell as she shook her head, mumbled something, and stumbled off. I heard the music go up in the living room as more people walked in the door. Some left, some stayed. I knew none of them. My mother threw parties all the time. What about me? I was a child. All my friends had birthday parties, and now the mean girls would know I was too poor to have one, and they would tease me even more. I felt tears start to swell, and I ran into my room and slammed the door. Betsy was lying on the bed and smiling. She was always smiling. How could I forget? Just staring at me, smiling. She was going to tell me to do something bad, like steal more food or worse. This was her fault. Betsy didn't have to go to school. Betsy never got in trouble like it did. And in my five-year-old little brain, I truly believed it was the doll, not my mother, who was the source of all my woes. I screamed in anger and threw the bottle as hard as I could at the bed. It hit Betsy and she fell on the floor. I laughed. I dragged her to the bathroom and threw her into our bathtub, which had always had water in it, as all the drains were clogged. Of course, she didn't fight back while she was underwater, but it made me feel better. A few minutes later, I had finished taking out my anger and humiliation on my favorite toy. I threw her in the toy chest and slammed it shut. I kicked the chest against the wall. I never wanted to see Betsy again. I never owned another doll after that. About a week later, the police came, and two nice ladies took me to live in a new home in a new state with food and toys and no drugs. The trunk went into storage, and the wagon disappeared. I never saw my mother again. As I got older, my foster parents admitted she was in jail, doing 25 years. I felt nothing for her anyway, I was still having nightmares because of the life she had given me. I had focused on doing well in school and ignored her letters from prison. She reeked a shout to me several times in my teens, but I always denied her calls. That is, until this morning, I'm 30 now, with my own children and a husband who loves me deeply. I have a beautiful house, two dogs, and a career as a social worker trying to make a difference for kids who had it bad like me. So when I got a voicemail from my mother letting me know she had been paroled and wished to speak. I felt stable enough to let her say her piece. Since the kids were home from school, I went out into our shed in the backyard to return my mother's call. The shed was the children's domain, and they used it to play in the summer. I sat on my old toy chest, which was currently being used as a tea party table, and dialed the number she had left me. Three rings. Hello, Laura? Hello, Mother. How are you? Oh, Laura, thank you for speaking to me. I know you have your own life and now and a family, and I would love to meet them someday. I just wanted to tell you how sorry I am for everything. You are not meeting my kids, ever. I'm going to say my piece here, too. The drugs destroyed you, and you took me down alongside you. Honestly, I'm surprised it took you so long to get caught i'm not sure what you mean about getting caught laura i honestly know nothing look it hardly matters i do understand why you would feel that way why you would hate me and not want me to meet your little ones i learned a lot about jesus and forgiveness while i was away and just oh laura i am so sorry about betsy betsy i paused confused why would you care about her I know, I know, Laura. Believe me, I do. It was all my fault. The drugs and Betsy. Oh, God. If I had only been able to see through the haze, if I had only known, she's gone forever, and it's all my fault. As my mother began to cry, I tapped my fingers on the toy box impatiently. The drugs had clearly fried my mother's brain. Mother, why are you talking about Betsy? Why do you even care? And I know where Betsy is, right underneath me. You two, what are you talking about? Laura, oh god, where is she? I shifted uncomfortably. Be- Betsy's in the trunk. I honestly thought she had hung up. I heard nothing on the other end, not even breathing. What do you mean your sister's in the trunk? Sister, what the hell are you talking about? Back on drugs so soon, mother? Betsy's a goddamn doll. I locked her in the toy box a few days before you got arrested for OB possession. Laura, oh god, no, no. Laura, I wasn't arrested because of the drugs. I was arrested because of Betsy's disappearance. You always called her your little doll, but we all thought you knew. Oh God, what did you do, Laura? What did you do to my baby? With no emotion, I set the phone next to me and stood up. I could hear the distant sound of my mother's anguished cries and the feel of the dark clench of agony in my own chest. Memories were stirring back in the back of my mind, threatening to come flooding forward into my consciousness. "'pushing against a door in my head, "'a door that had been locked so tightly for so long. "'I had forgotten it was there. "'Could the trauma and the drugs "'really have led me to believe "'that a small child was actually a doll? "'Asking for food? "'Asking for utensils to eat with? "'Asking me to protect her from the bad man? "'No. "'I slowly turned around "'and brought my eyes down to the chest. "'Surely it was too small. "'You couldn't fit a person in there. "'You couldn't. "'But what about a very small, "'starving, emaciated child? "'What about her?' if i was an investigator looking for a child i would never consider looking in this chest it was just too small i knelt to the ground and unclipped clipped the clasps it would be better not to look after all that i had overcome this new life that i had earned it could be all undone by opening this toy box i shouldn't open it i should throw it in a landfill and forget it ever existed i should not look inside i opened the chest i never had a doll my mother could, af- could never afford to buy me one. I never had a wagon either, but I did have a toy box. A pretty blue and white toy box. And when I was five, I drowned my two-year-old sister and put her in it. And now my life is ruined. Truly a tragic tale. Our next story is significantly shorter. I believe that I'll be doing one long story and two short ones. I don't want to make this podcast too long for fear of people losing interest. But if you'd like to hear longer ones, please tell me. This next one is called My Wife, The Artist. Jen and I love Halloween. We go all out when decorating our house and yard. The neighborhood kids love to see what we put up every year, and even their parents are impressed by the scale and sophistication of the decorations we use. We don't just give out candy, we invite the trick-or-treaters into our home to see our setup. Pumpkins, spiders, skeletons, ghosts, you name it, we've got it. Our local newspaper even did a feature on us last year, a safe and spooky spot for local kids. It wasn't much more than a fluff piece, but it felt good to have our work celebrated. A project Jen's been working on over the last 15 years or so is Halloween Town of Horrors. It's the centerpiece of our trick-or-treat trip around the house. The town takes up our whole dining room table, and it's a darker tale take on those big Christmas villages people, like, put out on December. The architecture is very Tim Burton-esque. Lots of strange-looking buildings, exaggerated colors, and blood splatters. While the townsfolk lurk in the background like little purple zombies and space aliens. Oz, as the years have gone by, Jen's taking her Halloween town from a couple small buildings to the sprawling, populous, nightmare escape it is today. This year, Halloween came and went. We had a blast. Jen's Halloween town was a huge hit. Even adults from the neighborhood came over to take a look. Jen loved the attention. She wanted to be an artist growing up, but sadly, it won't pay the bills. As we cleaned the house, Jen picked up one of the town's folk dolls. It's clothing is a little tear that needed to be fixed. Sighing good-naturedly, she gathered the rest of them into their box. I love those dolls. Their aesthetic works beautifully with the town Jen puts them in. They range in from a size of a raisin to a lemon. Some have distinguishable features, others don't. It takes her a while for her to make each one. Between two and five months, but... Her effort always yields a product that's perfect for Halloween. Until she can carry one to term... We both agree they shouldn't go to waste. In case you couldn't tell, those were her miscarriages. A few people didn't get that the first time that I told it to them, but I did because I'm just built different. Sorry. Sorry. Our next story is not just a story it's a ritual you can try it out yourself i don't know if it'll work i'm a bit skeptical but it's a good read nonetheless it's called lightless city do you have someone you hate someone you would do anything to hurt pay any price for vengeance if so you may want to consider visiting lightless city to get there go to any decent sized city and find a deserted alleyway at night Go into it, close your eyes as tightly as you can, whisper, whisper lightless city, and concentrate on the darkness. You've probably noticed that there are faint colors and abstract shapes you can make out if you try to focus your eyes when they're closed. Watch those images go by. After a few minutes, the images should start to get clearer and brighter. When this happens, they'll start taking on detailed forms. Images of violent murders, deformed animals, and similar things. No matter what you see, keep your eyes closed. You'll start to lose track of time, but eventually the images will stop. And you'll see pure darkness. Nothing but deep black, no colors or shapes. When you're certain that you can see pure darkness, open your eyes. You will now be in a very dark city. There won't be a single light or a star in the sky. You should be able to see a faint blue outline of the tall buildings surround you. Make your way out of the alley and walk as quietly as you can down the sidewalk in any direction. If you hear any movement, run as quickly as you can, away from the noise. There are animals in Lightless City. It's too dark to make out the details, but they're the size of large wild felines and will kill any human they catch. Keep moving until you reach an area with smaller buildings at the edge of the city. A child will approach you, his face dully glowing, letting you see that he is eyeless. He will ask, Will you share your light with me? Say yes. The child will reach for your face and rip out your right eye. It will be painful, but there shouldn't be any bleeding or open wound. The child will thank you and leave. Keep walking. A tall man will appear before you whose light do you wish to have taken away speak the name of the person you hate and as soon as you say their name they will go completely and irreversibly blind is your hatred satisfied the man will ask if it is say yes and you will awaken in the alley if not say no and the man will disappear keep walking you will come across another eyeless child will you share your light with me say yes and your left eye will be torn out leaving you blind keep walking and the tall man will appear again although you of course will have to rely only on his voice whose life do you wish for the darkness to claim say the name of the one you hate and they will die you will not be asked if your hatred is satisfied this time and you will not be able to return into the alley i told you to make sure you really hated someone before doing this you will spend the rest of your life wandering around Lightless City, blind, with only your hatred to keep you warm. For some people, that's enough. Thank you for listening to Descent into Madness. I'm your host, Rigby, and... It's a mystery whenever the next episode will air. Have a good night.